Hey, this is Matilda Moyal, and welcome to the Orgayana podcast. Today, with Green School Bali educator and Lower School Green Studies developer, Dr. Nicoline Dupres. Ecophobia or biophilia? What do you want to teach your kid? So in my work with Ogayana, both in our community online and in my presentations offline, I felt this increasing need from parents who want to get answers and information to how they can best become role model for their kids, but with a sense of worry that they won't be able to answer the questions from their kids on these big important topics. Because their kids, and themselves uh, as well, are overwhelmed with these pictures of burning fires, melting ice, and plastic-filled oceans. And they feel lost at what to do, and they want to know how their little steps can actually make an impact. But how do we approach topics like climate change and waste so that our children will feel empowered instead of scared, and conscious instead of detached? and where they also feel some kind of ownership to their actions as our regenerative ambassadors. So I wanted to know this. I joined the educator course at Green School Bali, where we looked at approaches to how we can teach sustainability to kids holistically. And I spontaneously decided to interview Dr. Nicoline Dupres on the topic of how we best parent with these challenges we're faced with today. So, and early Thursday morning, I met up with Nicoline in her office. And if you wonder about the sound, it isn't only that I brought a very primitive podcast set up to Bali, but because Nicoline's office is an all bamboo built classroom in the middle of the jungle. And I'm afraid there's no soundproof walls here when the monsoon hits Bali. So enjoy the calming sound of the steady rain like we did. And imagine you were there having that conversation with us. I was actually very lucky to be there because it was in February of 2020, just before none of us could travel anywhere. And also quite lucky not to know what was sleeping five centimeters from my knee throughout the entire interview, but more on that later. Now get ready for some mind-blowing insights from Green Studies developer and early childhood educator at the Green School Bali, Nicoline Dupres. Welcome to the podcast, Nicoline. Um, I'm so happy that you said yes to join us here um, at the premises of the Green School in Bali. Um, those of you watching the video will see that, and those of you listening will be able to hear that it's the rainy season. <laughs> um, where are we actually right now here, Nicoline? So we're in the Green Studies classroom, and just below us you will hear the mighty Ayung River roaring. Um, it's been storming, raining the whole morning. And if you hear just a soft drizzle at the back, it's the rain just dripping on the roof, half of the roof of our Green Studies classroom. <laughs> but anyway, it's, that's part of Bali, right? Um, and this week, um, I've had the pleasure of meeting John Hardy, the founder of the Green School. I've also met the principal, Sam Gordon. Yet I chose to interview you, uh, Nicoline. And the reason for this isn't only that you've got like this intense knowledge and your research is incredible but also the fact that you personally teach green studies to how many students a week 
So we have 270 early years and primary kids coming through the Green Studies every week. Oh Super my amazing. god. Oh my god. So they're all from age 3 to 11. Um, so if anyone, Nicolene, you must have the answers to how we teach sustainability um, to our kids and how we as parents um, can be more involved, but most importantly, how we make sure that our kids won't suffer from this ecophobia, uh, but instead enjoy the wonders of biophilia, you know, the being close to nature. So yesterday you gave a talk uh, that made a huge impact on me. Um, at one point, I'm quite sure my eyes were even watering. <laughs> and it was a point at the talk where you explained the research you've done with your students. And one of the questions in there for the kids was, if you could whisper anything into the ear of the earth, what would it be? And the most popular reply was, sorry. And this is when I wanted to say sorry to my kids because putting this huge burden on them to be these new Greta Thunbergs. Um, because Nicoline, what is going on here? Why are these kids saying sorry? Yes, um, I think that's super interesting, especially doing the research here at the Green School, um, but also finding it as a global phenomenon that the kids that we are teaching are feeling the pressure mm. as if they are the ones polluting the river. They are the ones creating um, the climate change problem. The second one, um, most popular answer was help. Yeah. So at the same time, there's a dichotomy in understanding that they're sorry, they understand the urgency, mm. they take full responsibility for this future of mm -hmm. theirs. If we just pause and think about that, actually these kids saying sorry, and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking yeah. about this, they are saying, okay, we're taking responsibility even though it wasn't us. Yeah. But now the second one is help. Mm. We also understand the urgency that we need help. Um, it's but they're really, asking the earth for help, right? Like it's, yes, that's they're the asking the earth. Yeah. Because that also brings in a thought that have they lost any um, trust mm. in us as adults mm -hmm. or in, in humanity? Mm. What, you know? But it's also reassuring that they know mm. the one regenerative resource that they have, the earth, is there to help. And, and they also said thank you. That was the number three, right? So they know that the earth is thankfully doing what it can to survive this thing. Um, another thing that really struck with me and I don't think we as parents think about, um, and of course, I mean, let's be fair here, we, we are all pretty new at this and we're still figuring out how to do this, right? Um, but you also asked your students, what is the most important thing scientists would study in the world right now? And their answers were not so surprising. Climate change, nature, plastics, but when you ask what they would like to study, um, it was animals, plants, and snakes. And again, I had this almost like um, choky feeling um, that I've been forcing down these campaigns to my kids without really taking into consideration if they were ready or were even able to receive it. What's, what's your view on this? When you saw these? You know, it's super interesting again, this whole, process was just an eye-opening process first of all these kids realize the urgency mm. and I want to reiterate that for anybody who feels the urgency to push down a campaign with kids they get it yeah. I mean with their answer saying we totally get that scientists should study climate change yeah. but then the other side I kind of see it like um, <clears throat> a divorce which side do you go um, the kids are saying we get the climate change, but if you ask me, 
And if you think about place-based learning mm. and the environment these kids are in mm. here at the green school, mm. or wherever that might be in the world, kids want to connect to their place, their sense of place. So they want to study the animals because we have so many animals here. They want to study the snakes because it's super intriguing when you're in the jungle and you see all these snakes. And when you reach that point where you realize that some snakes are actually not poisonous, you can befriend them. Can you imagine that? Yeah. That part of your life when you realize something that you've been taught mm. innately, mm. stay away, yeah. it's dangerous, don't touch. Yeah. And now you discover this place. Yet somebody's asking you to go pick up the plastic in the river, but you don't even clean your own room. Yeah. So what is that what is that feeling inside your belief system yeah. when you know, oh my gosh, I don't even do this in my own room, yeah. but fine, if this is just another activity to sell to the world, regardless of where we are in the world, I'll just do it. But in my heart, I'll be wondering and in my mind, I'll be thinking about the animals and the plants and, and the snakes and the insects and somewhere along the line, I'll, I'll consciously come back to understanding that there's an issue in climate change, but also knowing that yeah. it wasn't actually my fault. Yeah. But fine, I'll do what you're asking me. I'll put my head down and just do it. Yeah. So the interesting part is then how do you connect those two, right? And, and I also, um, being here at the Green School this week, um, I noticed that you work with these stages of what's called environmental readiness. Um, and of course, I'm aware that I can't speak to my three-year-old the same way as I speak to my 10-year-old. But I have to say, I hadn't really thought about um, how wary you have to be about putting up these scenarios about what's happening in the world and what it will do to kids. Um, so there's quite a few um, stages, but I'm just wondering if you could um, try and sort of take us through them. Um, not briefly, but you know, however, however you can do it. Sure. So this, there's a big body of research by Dr. David Sobel mm -hmm. on the environmental um, readiness stages. And we, we do use the stages, however, in our own place-based research, we've broken down the ages mm -hmm. and we've taken that out. For example, the first age group that he speaks to is three to seven-year-olds, mm -hmm. um, which is regarded to empathy and finding animal allies. Um, however, what we found is that if you only put animal allies and empathy within that age group, mm -hmm. and this is, um, I think, my my message to the world, when you do put a parameter or an age cage around something, what if you have a grade five mm. or a grade four mm. or a 13 year old that's never found empathy with animals yeah. and they've never found that animal ally, mm. yet you're moving along to stage three where it says protect the neighborhood and stage four that says, okay, now advocate. You have to be the advocate and um, activist for environmental issues. Yeah. Yet, you don't have that connection. No. So the stages, I mean, anybody can search it up online yeah. and go read more about this. We'll put it in the notes. So but but yeah. don't take research just for what it is. Right. Um, delve deeper, have your own critical eye on it, mm. mimic it with your own kids. Um, yeah, that, that's been like one of the best discoveries this year, working with the kids and saying, hang on. Mm. Let's give everybody equal opportunity to build this true connection mm -hmm. with nature mm -hmm. because if you have that connection, you will want to save nature. Right. Period. Yeah. It's, it's a no-brainer, yeah. right? Yeah. 
And it doesn't mean that you have to come here to the Green School at the age of three. Of course, it's big help, but um, in your research, you also um, did a, a, a concept. So basically, you work with the concept of the biocentric child. Um, and what you're talking about, which you've touched upon before, is that it's the consciousness needed for a child to really understand these concepts. Um, and it's on top of, you know, this iceberg, the, the picture that you put up um, at your talk yesterday, we have skills, knowledge, questioning, which is obviously necessary to understand these concepts. But what you're saying is that this is the tip of the iceberg. And then, of course, we have the, the whole base of the iceberg that we don't see, which is underneath the water. What is underneath and why is it so important for our children? Mm. That's a very, very beautiful question and mm. a much needed one mm. for this 21st century movement towards um, a more regenerative, sustainable education mm. and just right livelihood for all of us and especially for our kids. Mm. I want to just jump one step back about the biocentric child yeah. um, and where it came from before I go below the iceberg. Sure. Um, if you think about what comes before biocentric is egocentric. So naturally in psychology you will find your younger kids being egocentric driven. This is mine, I can't share. Um, the world revolves around me, I am the one and only and nothing else exists. Mm -hmm. You also see this a lot in decision makers, parliament, um, people that don't even care about climate change or, or any of that, where it doesn't matter, right? Like it doesn't matter if we don't save the earth because I'm okay in the here and now. It's very short-sighted. But then if we navigate into a biocentric worldview where we actually get our kids to understand that they are sharing and living, not just human to human, but human to animal, mm -hmm. and all of us to the earth, mm -hmm. it brings out a new perspective. Mm -hmm. So as this transformation happens, or as we approach these kids trying to understand what this is, we normally just see the top of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. We either see A, kids destroying nature, or B, kids having their skills, loving nature, mm -hmm. and just kind of navigating themselves say it's just for this one class and then they go back to their their normal life um, we see them pushing the boundaries we, we just see them experimenting but it's all at eye level it's all the physical but when you really stop and consciously view this individual in front of you if you consciously consciously stop and view your three-year-old for example and you start wondering about what is below this iceberg? Mm. What is this child seeking? Mm. What is the innate biological seek within mm. this child? Mm. The child is seeking to understand, am I loved? Do I belong here? Do I have autonomy? Mm. Are you just telling me? Are you just the boss of me? Mm. When do I get to have a say? Why am I always being tasked to do when I actually know what I want to do? Where is that autonomy? So below the iceberg, there are actually some very interesting thoughts mm -hmm. um, to go deeper into really understanding the humanization mm -hmm. between us and kids as humans. Right. Because we sometimes forget that, right? We see them as, as something else, as if they are another species that mm -hmm. grow into humans. Mm -hmm. They have everything we have. So you mentioned the politician and, and the adults, because one thing is the kids. But don't we as parents need to be biocentric to be raising biocentric kids? Well, I think the most beautiful thing, I'm also a mother, 
is seeing how kids mimic. Right. They follow. They follow the example. Mm. So as parents, this is a, a total wake-up call that you need to be leading by example. Um, and sometimes you might have to stop and view your child as your mirror. So that frustration, that wonder, that disappointment, mm. that curiosity, that just not knowing might be just a true reflection of where you are. So it shows again that it always starts with us, right? Um, you can't just go straight into fighting climate change if in your heart and your mind you don't know where you're going yourself and with your child. Um, so how should we I mean, this is a big question, right? How should we educate ourselves? Um, I don't know. I'm going to see if, if, if it's possible to answer something as big as that. Mm -hmm. So I think a valuable thing to remember is that all of us come with our own implicit belief systems. Mm -hmm. We come with our baggage, with our history, with our understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think the first step to really educate ourselves is to understand what are our belief systems? What, are, what, what is your thinking mm. about climate change? Do you really have a head, heart and hand alignment? Mm. You might be in your head saying, yes, go, 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 but mm. in your heart, you don't really trust what you're saying to your kids yeah. and you might be tasking them with the hands to do something which is not connected. So searching for that alignment in yourself first and truly understanding if you're asking me to clean my room, do you follow that same example? If you're asking me to pick up plastic in the river, do you follow that same example? Or do you sit and watch Netflix while you're asking me to do this? Yes. So I think this is a big um, reality check for, for parents to say, just stop for a moment mm -hmm. Be present and check in with yourself before you are running this amazing race with your kids. And it's, it's what we're all about at Organa, and, and we, we've been trying to do exactly this through these podcasts. Um, what's interesting today, I find, and many parents come to me and say, is that they are now being educated by their kids, right? So the schools are actually, a lot of the schools are taking a step up and, and educating the kids in sustainability. Um, and the parents feel at a loss. Right, they, they don't actually um, know how to handle it because they know they should be the role models, they know they should be walking the talk. And you know, one thing is learning things in school, but if you don't see your parents doing it, you know, are you really going to keep doing it? Um, but with that, I'm thinking also, like, how much should we be involved with our kids? You know, when we, I mean, it sounds like you just answered that question, right? It's, you know, you can't just ask them to do a beach clean and then you watch Netflix, right? So I assume, with your experience, that you would say that that's that's important but maybe you can elaborate on that how much we should be involved so i can give you an example of today in this rain i put on my water boots coming to school i've got my rain jacket in my bag rain or shine doesn't matter which class is coming through my hands today we will go into nature we will get muddy we will run through the water and we will have the most beautiful smile and laughter on our faces, in our hearts, and we will enjoy. We will not seek for excuses. We will be present and we will take it on, full on. Um, when you start investing your own time and your own energy, it's infectious. These kids cannot get away from it. Um, 
And I see this again as a parent with my own child. Um, I have a, a first grader mm -hmm. and he sees me at school constantly working in the garden and now he's made his own rainforest, which is mainly um, sunflower seeds, yeah. but he has his own rainforest at home. And it's super exciting to see that he is he's driving a value-based lifestyle. Right? He's taking responsibility. He's trusting that this is the right thing. He's using integrity. Um, and, and that's the magic, yeah. right? I don't have to tell him. I didn't ask yeah. him. This is coming from him. Mm. And moving into the world of education, mm. the big buzz mm. around self-directed learning, where kids have autonomy, action, mm. choice, voice, this is, this is powerful. And if you're learning it from nature, and you're embedding it neurologically into mm -hmm. your whole system, mm -hmm. I see something amazing for this future for our kids. I think that's what I've learned as well on this journey that I've taken as well, is that you know, trying to tell them to do something never works. It's just doing it and then let's see, right? So I've started doing a lot of yoga and now my little one wants to join me or, or even doing Orgayano as a project. My daughter's been watching that and now she's the sustainability ambassador at school, right? Without me having anything to do with her application. And I think um, it's showing, not telling, oh, in these kind of situations, uh, for sure. Um, so obviously, and, and unfortunately, not all kids are so lucky to have teachers like you and go to a school like Green School, uh, where this is um, top priority. But some schools and teachers do, do a really great job, but I still feel that we as parents have this huge responsibility um, in not only walking uh, the talk, but communicating these concepts. So if we just try and for a minute and zoom in to a family who day to day is trying to do theirs with their children, what would be your top five tips, if that's possible, to how you can start to communicate better with your child so you don't scare them, but you give them hope? So I would say, from my own experience, number one is investing time. Mm. If you have the time that you can invest, even if it's five minutes, mm. to get into a dialogue, not driven by your belief system, mm. but by really truly hearing from your child, mm. from their perspective, and investing time just to go into nature. Mm. Um, you might say to me, oh, Nicolene, we live in the city and there's no nature, we can't go anywhere. Mm. Well, then go to the supermarket mm. and go to the plant section or mm. go to the vegetable section or mm. go to the fruit section. Mm. I think we live in a society where it's very fast to just have an excuse. Mm. Um, if we want to model 21st century skills mm. where the top one is problem solving and creativity, mm. then off you go, I challenge you, yeah. be that, that parent. Then second of all, allowing, when you do have your child go into nature, allow them to explore, allow them to pick up the dirty, messy, gross, scary um, This is stuff. what the Singapore parents, yeah. <laughs> Indeed, if you're not gonna allow your child to fully immerse themselves, then what's the point, mm. right? And again, how about allowing yourself to be present with your child in, in nature and doing that? Mm -hmm. um, then the, sec the third one is taking, taking the risk, a good risk. Um, previously, in the, well, two weeks ago, we did stick fighting in the class based on an academic article that spoke um, about risky play. Take that risk. Take that risk. If your risk is to pick up a grain of sand or make a mud ball, 
take that risk. If the risk is to put on your, your, your iPad with a spider and you're maybe super scared of spiders, take that risk and challenge yourself to be a risk taker. That's another 21st century skill. And to show your kids that even, even if you don't know, even if you don't feel brave yet, you can overcome that. You're modeling this sustainable growth with your kids. Um, and then experiencing. I think that's, that's the number four tip I will give. Mm -hmm. When you just stop and close your eyes and you just experience mm -hmm. what it is that you're busy with mm -hmm. um, and not just take it as another task or as another thing on your checklist, but go out, go on a hike, um, take the bicycles, go and cycle the beautiful roads that there are to be cycled, take a walk to the park. Um, th there's just so much. I, I, I've come to this place where I'm, I'm finding it hard to think that we don't have any answers to connect with our kids. And then last, lastly, um, is constantly, consciously seek opportunity with no judgment. Mm. Um, one of the things that are, that are very hard for me is seeing parents coming so close to the edge with their kids. Mm. And when they pick up that very slimy, disgusting, muddy earthworm, they frown. Mm. They as parents make the sound of, oh, that is so gross. What are, why are you picking it up? Mm. They pour the judgment. Mm. And right there, they cut off all the hard work. So consciously seek these opportunities to put yourself in wonder and awe. That's the five things I think at a universal level, yeah. I think we can, this is the grassroots we can start with. Wow, amazing. Um, so I think this is overlapping a little bit um, because you already also talked on a practical level. Um, I have kids who are 10, 8 and 3. Um, that can sometimes be hard. Um, or is it, you know? I, you know, in terms of activities that we can do for the, these age groups that would nurture this consciousness that you talked about, um, that makes them resilient and positive for the future. Um, I don't know if you feel you already covered it in the last five points, but some, some other concrete examples of, of what can be done um, from when you've got kids, you know, age three to 10. I think if you have staggered age kids, you are most probably one of the most luckiest people in this universe. And again, my whole body is just filled with goosebumps. Thinking about the, the number one skill that companies want is agility, being agile. So can you imagine breaking down those age barriers mm. between your three, seven, nine, 10, 11, whatever your mm. staggered ages are, mm. and teaching them to be agile in their learning? Can you imagine going on a nature walk, picking up a butterfly wing, where your three-year-old might say, wow. Your seven-year-old might say, I know that is a pollinator. And your 11-year-old says, let's look at the anatomy. There you go. Like there is just everything in a nutshell. But don't for, don't for one moment think your seven-year-old might be the one saying, let's look at the anatomy. And your 11-year-old might say, wow. Wow, I live in such a digital world. I actually haven't, since I was three, stopped and really wondered and be in awe with the butterfly wing. Oh, now I get teary again. <laughs> 
it's not too late for anyone, right? Um, and I definitely know that I will go back to Singapore with all of this in my little backpack and slowly unfold it as well as I can. Um, thank you so much, Nicoline. Um, I think everyone here who's been listening to you will be excited to follow your work further. So if you're curious about Nicoline's findings in her research and teaching, see more in the notes below. Um, I'm sure we'll see each other again. Um, and yeah, enjoy the day. It looks like a full, a full day of rain here in the green school. <laughs> um, but it's all part of it, I should say. So thanks a lot. Thank you so much for your time. Now, I hope this gave you chills down your back too. I think you would definitely have had the chills if you'd been me. As it turned out, I was sitting five centimeters from a poisonous spider the size of my hand. Thankfully, Nicoline sent me the picture when I'd already left. Anyway, to me, spending this week at the Green School and meeting Nicoline seriously blew my mind. So much so that I actually replaced the content for my 40 slides presentation I had the following day at Singapore Library. And I also immediately enrolled my three kids into the Green School. But as we all know, the world changed as we knew it. And with the coronavirus, many dreams and plans were altered and also ours. But the lessons I had in Bali, I'll take with me. And I hope that you will too. So make sure to also watch the video and read the article with Nicoline. The link uh, is in notes. And please rate and review our podcast channel so we can get the word out on all these great conversations with all these amazing profiles who are advocating sustainability and health. Thank you so much for listening to us at Orgayana. Bye-bye.